Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm okay. It's wow. a, that was I mean, a big buildup for a little bit of nothing. Well, it kind of was, wasn't it? it I, I, I'm, uh, I'm doing good, uh, you know, relatively speaking. I, I had to thaw out my drive oh my God, here at yes. LFP Worldwide Headquarters. Yeah. Um, I've asked them to give me, like, car seat heaters yeah and they don't do that they don't anymore. do that no they, no they don't fling for that is that what the expression no, is? no they, they don't cotton to that they don't cotton to that mister yeah uh, sorry to hear that yeah it's um it's cold it's very cold yeah yeah i think last night's one of the playoff games like it was like the fourth coldest in the history of of, of ever yeah so yeah i don't like it when you can take the absolute value of the temperature and then it gets warmer that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not a good thing. No, that's actually true, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's very cold here in the uh, the Midwest and, uh, you know, a little bit north of Pawnee. Yep. Um, I'm sure it's even cold. It might be warmer down in Pawnee because, you know, it's a couple hours south. So yeah. you get a degree or two back that way. Yeah, they're nearly tropical. <laughs> Maybe subtropical. They have like palm yeah. trees down there and stuff, right? I'm sure they do. I've seen them, in, I've seen them on the show. <laughs> so, yeah, they must. <laughs> Didn't we talk about that? Yeah, with, we did. Yeah, with, uh, with Kim. So that was great. Yeah. Referring, of course, to our, our interview with, with uh, Kim, Kim Wanup. So um, she actually, do you remember when we talked with her, she talked about doing season four of All Mankind on Apple? Yes. It's out now. So I've been watching it. So I'm finally getting to see the work she did. Oh, cool. It's amazing. So, so shout out to Kim. Yeah. So, yeah. So but that's not what we're here to talk about, Mark. No, 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 no. We are actually here to talk about season seven, episode three. That's right, kids. We've got nine to go. Yeah. This one's called William Henry Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. We'll tell you why in a minute, but yeah, it's called that. I bet you can't guess. I bet you can't guess. This episode aired on January 20th, 2015. And Mark, actually, this is, we, we called this out last week. On the 13th, they aired episode one and two right. of 2015. This week, they aired episodes three and four. And I mm -hmm. think you and I finally figured out this is like a pattern. Like, they did this on purpose. Yeah. Especially this week. Three is very much part one of two, and four is part two of two. Like, I don't think you could tell four without three. You could tell three without four. Well, and not, right, and, and not just like, oh, conceptually, these go well together because right. they complement each other. No, it's like freaking to be continued and now watch the second half, dummy. Yeah, like literally with the black screen white text, right. which I'm sure you'll cover for us. Yeah, yes. of course. Of course you will. So, and... Uh, but yeah, yeah that's, no, like it's definitely a two-parter, if you will. And that seems to be, like you said, a, a, a pattern. And and I think when it originally got released, the downside was season seven was over yeah, in a blink in a flash, of an eye. Yeah. But at least not so far, every week was double episodes, but most of them were. Yeah, I think all but one. Yeah, that sounds was. right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it it so far it's been very they've gone well together. So yeah. I see like strategically, I can see why maybe they yeah. wanted to do that. I can see that one yeah. and two paired well together. We'll see what three and four do today. Um, yeah, this is so back when this aired, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, this aired on the night of the state of the union address. So oh, yeah. Parks and Rec had the eight to nine o'clock hour. And then the president came on, uh, whoever that was at the time came on in the second, uh, you know, for a couple hours. Was that after Bartlett? That. It was Bartlett, Jim yeah. Bartlett. Yeah, one of my favorite presidents. So, <laughs> yeah. This uh, episode, Mark, was directed by Tom McGill. Um, we've talked about Tom before. If you remember, I think we uh, we talked about getting Shauna Hagen on this show, and we've never been able to do that, but we did. Uh, we talked to, to Mike Trim, who was right. DP at the time, 
And at that time, Tom was his A camera operator. And, and Tom actually was A camera operator from seasons one through four, and then became DP uh, episodes, or excuse me, seasons five through seven. So oh, I see. He was basically here for the whole run, behind the camera in one way or another, of course. And, um, but this is the one he technically directed. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Huh. His, uh, you can find his work on The Office, uh, Willard, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Angie Trebecca, Amy's movie Moxie, Rutherford Falls, to so some other Mike Schur properties as well. So Nice. Um, this episode was written by Megan Omron. This is her fifth of five. We say goodbye to Megan today. It's her last golden pen. And uh, Megan's work can be seen on The Good Place, Parks and Rec, and uh, Pitch Perfect, uh, Bumper in Berlin, the movie. So, wow. Yeah, so... Check her. Check out her stuff. Yeah, so. we like her. Yeah, we like her. So we like Megan, and uh, I follow her on social media. She's got a, a interesting sense of humor. So I like it. Um, Mark, why don't you? Oh wait a minute! Before we get into this, I totally forgot to ask. Uh, like, what's like? We still have robots here. Like, what's happening? Did we get Carvey booted up? Like, have we figured that out yet? No, we we haven't figured <sighs> it out yet. You would think with all this this future tech that's yeah. been sent back, um, it's twenty twenty four now. Yeah. As and, we record this. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, and who knows? It's like it's 2027 where Constantine and Harvey are. So right. I, I probably, I'm sure rocket boosters yeah. and, and hovercrafts. But and we're stuff. still getting signals from them, right? Like, like they're still able to send us the little hints about technology and stuff. Like we haven't lost contact. I, I don't them. know science, but but yeah, it, our, our research department tells us that we're in contact with them. Right. And then I'm just like, I, I lose interest. Oh, like they start yeah. talking and then I'm just like, I need to go to the vending machine. Yeah. Can you can you can you summarize this? <laughs> but apparently Robonstantine, yeah. I think, is sneaking into Carvey's carport yeah and, and <laughs> he's like pulling wires and stuff so i oh, we have not cool. gotten carvey to work interesting huh well but, it, but robinson seems uncommonly smug yeah so i think maybe he has something to do with it well what was that sci-fi show with the arc uh, like they did like th- mcdonald's uh no the other arc oh uh, they go through it and stuff Oh, the Stargate. The Stargate, yeah. Whew, I can't believe I can't remember that. So I figured out the other day that, like, we thought they were sending signals. I actually went. There's a, there's a Stargate back in the back in the studio back there. Oh. And every once in a while, I would just see a little hand come through with a Post-it note. Oh, I hate that. That's how they're sending messages. <laughs> Why don't they just step through? I don't understand. You know what's amazing? They, what? they have all that amazing, amazing future technology. Yeah. And yet, how do they give us the information? Sticky note. Sticky note. Like, really, dude? Yeah. You would think by now, especially in 2027, we'd be past post-it notes. I hope at the very least they're writing the message on the sticky note with some sort of space pencil. Definitely. It writes upside down. (laughs) Like Jerry's pen. (laughs) Otherwise, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing, Mark? Hey, why don't you uh, tell us with our synopsis today? Oh, I'm gonna. So so this is where... I look at the thing and I figure out how many of the sub things there are, how many stories. Yeah, let me let me find the no button uh, back in the studio. Oh. All right, here we go. I think we're ready. Well, you know, I could get this right, but yeah, you get might. your hand over the no button. I I I think um, I think this breaks down into four stories. Oh, oh my God! Can you even believe it? Can you believe it? Yeah, that's I, actually one of the things that they gave me from the future. They well, said they you told don't you. know this, but. In That's the future, the, we realize we yeah. are, we did a lot of research, and this yeah. this one has four stories. Wow! All right, all right. They they knew the brass was going to approve four. I guess. All right. Yeah. All right. That's like 
you can predict the future once you're there, I guess. That's a good trick. Well, if this has four storylines, this must be an incredible episode. Tell me more, Mark. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> so that's... Is it, is, is it too soon to foreshadow? Don't you... You're, you Look, we're professionals, so with this... But is I'm what, not grumpy today. Yeah? No, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm looking past this episode. That's oh, okay. Why. Uh, you're, I you're, figured out how to do this. <laughs> As well, you, we you turn down the, the opaqueness show. and you, as the transparency <laughs> goes up, now you can see right past the episode. Is that I, how it goes? I modified my opaqueness. But, you, you discovered my trick. Yeah, you? I know science. So <laughs> I broke this down into four uh, uh, stories. Yeah, I gave you your bell already. So, I know, I know, I know. So a story I, I entitled uh, The Island of Misfit Presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's not bad. That, this actually is, again, like, I didn't want to put too much effort in this because of this episode. Like, I'm, that's, I feel like it's a throwaway at some point. So, did you did you have a theme? No. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. It's, there's no wrong answer here. But the Island of Misfit Presidents. Tell us more, Mark. Yeah. Well, so, trying to come up with reasons the Newport Land Parcel should be turned into a park rather than a, a grizzle a corporate campus. Sure. Leslie is looking for any historical ties Anything. that are going to help out her case. So uh, Bill Haggerty, this dude named Bill Haggerty is his name, he comes from the Pawnee Historical Society, and he tells Leslie that the ninth United States president, and he guesses, William uh, Henry Harrison. Oh, my God, that's it, yeah. Had a hunting lodge on the, the Newport... Uh, land uh, parcel there. And so Leslie hopes that this means, hey, this is great. Maybe it could qualify for historic landmark status. Yeah. And then nuts to grizzle. But then she finds out the hunting lodge is just like a, some bricks. That's not really a hunting lodge. It's just bricks. I mean, you can do that anywhere. So sure. it, but she's determined to make it work. So she's going to make the most of it. She's going to stay positive. And, and next she goes to um, the nearby William Henry Harrison Museum. Sure. We've all been there yeah. in Vincennes, Indiana. It's real. And uh, and then this is in an attempt. She's trying to gather everything she can regarding yeah. to this William Henry Harrison yeah. guy, if he really existed. And so after that, then uh, uh, she hears that the the no goodniks. That's what she calls Ron and the people on the Grizzle side. Totally love it. The yeah. no goodniks got uh, apparently Annabelle Porter from Blue. Oh, I remember. Uh, to to kind of help them out. See the B story here in a second. Yeah. Um. So Leslie thinks, well, they have a face for their bid. So now I got to try and find a, a face mm. for ours. And and Bill Haggerty says, well, there is a distant nephew that was kind of related to William mm. Henry Harrison. It's a uh, Zach Harrison. Sure, I know Zach. <laughs> you know that dude? He owes <laughs> yeah. me 20 bucks. And he lives in the area. And so Leslie's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to try to gather all this garbage together, and I'm going to try to do a press conference. And so, you know, maybe we can make our case. All right. What will happen? Can Leslie get Zach Harrison to help with her press conference? Does Leslie manage to get the giant tin and paper ball all the way from the museum to the press conference. Will Leslie's press conference succeed in getting the Newport land parcel preserved? Stay tuned to find out dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. With the, uh, you know, cause the, the judges, they tell me in advance the numbers. So I, it's never a struggle for me. I know. So, yeah. So I, I would not accept my calls. No, well, you know, yeah. the caller ID Mark, it's, it really ruined it for you. Didn't it? Like a lot of calls. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. No one will take my call yeah, that's anymore. Fair. 
Anyway, my, my A story, Mark, I went with Beatles songs as my theme. The or, band? Yeah, the Beatles, oh. you know, the Fab Four, those guys, yeah. that, you know, with the mobby cuts and stuff at one point. Yeah. So instead of We Can Work It Out, this one's called We Can't Work It Out. Oh. Yeah. On account of they can't. They can't. They're not, Leslie and Ron are loggerheads here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good. Well done. Yeah, and I got three more of those. Oh, Just dear. as good. <laughs> Please tell us what the B story was. All right, B story yeah. incoming. Um, B story, I call. Now we have seen Annabelle Porter and Bluesh before. Yes, and and I recall back when I did the thing for that episode, yeah. I called that synopsis. I said Bluesh, there it is. Yeah. So Did you just reuse it. Well, this is what happens. Yeah. I say that my title for this one is Bluesh. There it is. Again. Yeah, again. <laughs> So it's completely different, you see. Sure. Nice job. All right. Way to recycle. Yeah. Yeah. When Grizzle learns about Leslie's efforts to strengthen her case, see the A story. Yeah. Um, they call a meeting with Ron, Tom, and Donna, suggesting that they get a local Pawnee celebrity as a minority owner. Ron is reluctant, go figure, but when he is made aware of Leslie's uh, further progress, he realizes the potential need to counter, I guess... And he grudgingly agrees to meet with Annabelle Porter of Bluesh, who we last saw uh, on uh, season six, episode seven, Recall Vote. Yeah, that sounds right. And and so the, hopefully they'll, they'll get Annabelle to be the celebrity face of Grizzle's bid. They meet with Annabelle at Bluesh Company HQ, and while Tom and Donna are enamored with her... Well, sure. Ron Just is, like last time. Ron is not. He's repulsed by everything Bluesh-related. Well, she tried to sell his chairs, remember, previously. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't go so well. No, it didn't go so well. But hearing that Leslie is preparing a press conference, again, CDA story, yeah. Ron is like, we... Oh, crap we got to do something like you got to fight fire with fire right and so he's like all right maybe we give annabelle this annabelle person maybe we give her the green light to be our our thing desperate times yeah yeah how will this turn out does annabelle porter agree to spearhead the grizzle press conference will the grizzle press conference go well enough to secure their bid for the newport land parcel does ron try to do anything to ambush leslie Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Yep. My, my Beatles song here ap- appropriately was Get Back at Leslie. Mm. So That's good. Yeah, that was a little better. Well, I'm more, I, I like to think I'm improving. Continuous improvement, Mark. That's what I'm all about. Okay. Well, so then the C story <laughs> wow. is, is uh, the name of it is entitled is uh, Just Say No to Notaries. It's cute. I like it. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. All right. Um, that was my D story, but we swapped C and D. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we did. That's You're all right. right. Um, we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, we can work it out. Um, so realizing... <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Go for it. Give my, Sorry. Don't make me get all, all big ego and stuff. Yeah. All right. Realizing the land but that both Leslie and Ron are, are bidding for lies within Pawnee city limits... Ben, acting, of course, as city manager, has a highly important point of sale document. Sure, why not? Let's say he does. Yeah, he does. It says it right here. Yeah, I'm aware. You just all kinds of grumpy, aren't you? And so this point of sale document, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it requires signatures (laughs) and uh, from both Leslie and Ron. Mm -hmm. So you got... You know, he's got to get that done. So it's going to be awkward, though, because on account of Leslie and Ron don't want to be near each other. Right. 
So, uh oh. So then, what happens is, what happens is, Jerry now is a notary public. Yeah, that's it's, funny. It's been a. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it's one of his dreams. Mm-hmm. He's really got to set the it, bar it, higher. So Jerry, yeah. But the, so Ben figures. I here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to enlist the help of Jerry because then Jerry can be my my mobile notary public as mm-hmm. opposed to having to f- make a meeting with like all three of them and then it'll never happen because they, right, be yeah, the they don't want to be in the same room. So. So, so Ben and Jerry, uh, the ice cream, can travel to, like, you know, Leslie mm-hmm. and then have it signed. And then they'll travel to Ron and have it signed. Then it'll be over. Seems thank, easy. Thank goodness. Well, this sounds good on paper, but things keep going wrong. I mean, I've seen I Love Lucy. This is this is how the, this is how they do. Yeah. And Ben is having a lot of difficulties getting these signatures, and it starts to drive him crazy. Mm. What will happen? Will Ben ever get his documents correctly and officially signed? Can Jerry ever stop talking about all the cool things having to do with notary publics? Does Ben eventually go crazy? Hang in there, true believers, only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Um, so my, my, my story there, your C story, my D story, was, Baby, won't you sign my doc? Oh, So... There you go. Dun, 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 yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, you know, you mentioned I Love Lucy, uh-huh. and this 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 storyline, the slapstickedness of it is a little bit like that. Kind of. Yeah, but I Love Lucy was funny. So the D story, Mark. You gave me a good your, show. Yeah, okay, yeah. so the D story um, is a, I entitled as a, finding a job for the person that hates everything. I didn't know what to call it. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, so this is this was a very very small story, yeah. but I, I I still thought it deserved its own. It's like a thir- three and a half story, kind yeah. of. Yeah. So basically, here's what here's the deal. Yeah. Ever since the last episode, mm-hmm. when when April first heard Joan Calamezzo's Walk of Fame a speech. And it kind of resonated with her, right? Oh, is that so what she, set this all off? Okay. Yeah, good. I think yeah. so. Yeah, and right. she's been trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. Mm-hmm. And this, so this continues in this episode as well. And we find, uh, you know, several scenes where April is brainstorming with Andy about various possibilities. Mm. How will this turn out? Can April draw inspiration from the William Henry Harrison Museum? Does Andy figure out how to help April? Mm. Will they ever come up with a good idea? Put on your helmet and don't get stuck. You won't believe the outcome of this one, dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, mine was, of course, help April find a job. So That's good. That's my Beatles song. Yeah. So there you go. Nicely done. Yeah, nice job. How about your AKA, Mark? I, I know you've got one. I just, only just one. one. That's I followed the rules. Yeah. How'd you do? One. Wow. All right. Again. In and out. That was my goal here. <laughs> as painless as, as possible. St- as Stanley said, this is this here is what we ha- call a run out the clock situation. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, well, my AKA comes from my man crush, Ron Swanson. Yeah, mine does too. And uh, and so this is where uh, he doesn't want Annabelle. He doesn't want anything to do with Annabelle or, or Blue. Okay. Right. And then, but finally, he goes, "Oh man, Leslie's. Uh, it seems like she's making progress." And yeah. so he he turns Squash to Tom. That. And he says, and I quote, let's get Annabelle Bloosh person. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Yeah. He, he's not really with it, is he? He's not the hip kind. No. No, no. Um, 
mine is also from your man crush. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is uh, when he's reminiscing a little bit, I think, in a talking head about a a five by five bull elk who who pissed him off or who he pissed off and who put his antlers through his meat shed. And he says, one day, Magnus, I will wear you as a jacket. Yeah. So that's his white whale. That's his white whale. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs one. Do we? Not really. No, it's optional. Yeah. I also didn't enjoy that either. So oh <laughs> we're, we're, we're hitting on a theme, Mark. Should we, do, do you think that maybe we, we just, jump we to just the abandon scores? this and maybe go review Two and a Half Men? Oh my God. Well, we're not that desperate. I, I'm wanting to refocus you. Thank you. You did. That worked. All right. Man. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, Mark. What? Why don't you give us our breakdown for this? All right. Start right. us off with the cold open. I yeah, think that's a good place yeah, to start. Yeah, cold open incoming is time to break it down. So we start this episode at City Hall on mm. the third floor, and uh, we're in Leslie's office. Then we, we see Leslie uh, talking with two gentlemen named Marty Zerks mm. and Andover Muse. <laughs> Names. Names. Yeah. And we also see April and Andy sitting off to one side. So in summary, the scene has the following takeaways. A, Marty and Andover are members of the Church of the Reasonableists, a group that worships a lizard god known as Zorp the Surveyor. Hail Zorp. Hail Zorp. Uh, first mentioned in Season 3, Episode 3, Time Capsule. Mm. Um B, Leslie tells us via talking head that she is looking for anything she can find, religious reasons, animal conservation, uh, historical significance, anything that will allow her to make the case for preserving the Newport land parcel and thus making it more likely that it will become a national park rather than another corporate campus for Grizzle. C, after meeting with the Zorpies, Leslie has two additional quick meetings, one with Manrico De La Rosa. Love it. He was one of the candidates she ran against for city council. It was, yeah. He's the animal dude. Yeah. And uh, and so, it, which was a season four, episode 20, the debate, that where we first right. saw him. That's right. Um, and then this, her second meeting is with nitrous-loving Herman Lerpus. Oh, yeah. Um, they both have way, way, way different angles on how the land should be preserved. Yeah. So, basically, at the scene's conclusion... It doesn't seem like Leslie is any closer no. to finding like a good reason for preserving the Newport land. But but Herman's so good. He's like, uh, oh yeah. He's like, I got a different idea: an amusement park with rides and food and sexy cartoon characters. I call it Disneyland. How did you get in here? Broke I a window. Broke a window. So <laughs> yeah, gotta love a Lurpus. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that trio of folks is a little bit. Um, yeah, she's grasping for straws, as she said. Yeah. yeah, any port in a storm. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, Mark, we kick off the main episode on the Grizzle campus, and Team Swanson is meeting with Roscoe, who has to have one of the coolest titles I've ever heard outside of our own Arbucks, Vice President of Sheet Cake. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm so envious. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good title. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we now cut to... I, I don't know exactly where this is. This is one of the buildings that's owned and operated by yeah. Grizzle. And, and we see Tom and Donna and Ron enter for a meeting with, and I quote, Vice President of Cool New Shiz, <laughs> Roscoe Santia- Santangelo. Sure. Is his name. Uh, is played by Jorma Tacone from he Lonely is, Island. He is, yeah. From yep. Lonely Island, yeah. Yeah. And so Roscoe, 
uh, tells them of an idea they had to get a local Pawnee celebrity as a minority owner of Grizzle, figuring it would give their presentation some flash and, and strengthen Grizzle's bid. Predictably, Tom and Donna are very much in favor of this idea. And Ron is not. Shocking. Yeah. Well, Mark, over at City Hall, we jump to Leslie's office where Ben just needs a simple signature. But Leslie, in the way that Leslie does, is not going to make anything easy, even if she does have ready access to a notary public. Yep. Well, let's see how now this works out. So we cut back to the third floor City Hall, and we're once again in Leslie's office, and we see Leslie working on some paperwork while April and Andy sit to the side and they're talking with each other about different possible jobs that April might find interesting. <clears throat> uh, is he back there? Yeah, he's back there. Hey, Robonstantine, play that clip, please. Have you thought about this? You could be an airline pilot. I don't like heights. What about a submarine pilot? I don't like depths. <laughs> I don't like anything, okay? You're not gonna be able to find a career for me, so just give up. No way, babe. We can do this. Let's play a game, okay? Mm. You say a word, I say a word, we see if it makes a profession. Executive. Trampoline. Computer. Trampoline. Trampoline. Pass. <laughs> hey, Leslie, I need both you and Ron to sign the city point of sale documents and so land you're gunning for lies within city limits. Can we run over to Ron's office to take care of this? Well, I love it when you talk point of sale docs. You know it turns me on. But no, no, there's no way that I will be in the same room with Ron Swanson unless it is during a police lineup when I am pointing him out as the man who betrayed me. That's him, Officer Ronald Swanson. Thank you, Leslie. That's the fifth crime you've solved this month. I'm not supposed to do this, but let me give you a badge and Could a siren you for your car. Focus. It'll take two minutes, and all signatures need to be notarized, and I really don't want to have to schedule two different notary appointments. Uh, not to eavesdrop, <laughs> but I have a crazy story. <laughs> I recently had a bit of a health scare, just a couple weeks in the hospital. Oh, God, this story's terrible so far. <laughs> anyway, I became really motivated once I got out to finally live life to the fullest. So, I fulfilled one of my lifelong dreams, and I became a notary public. So if I go with you, Ron and Leslie can sign the documents separately. Yeah, see, Ben, it all works out. I'll sign the documents here, and then you can bring it to Ron, and he can sign it there, and then you can tell Ron to rot in hell. How long are you two gonna go on like this? You're acting like a little kid. No, I'm not. And infinity plus one year. Andy, bring in the next person. No, she's not. Yeah, they're not. She's acting like a little kid. She is acting like a little kid a little bit. Yeah. But he's a stupid doo-doo head, to be fair about yeah, it. That is true. Yeah. yeah he, he, it is his fault. Yeah, this, this document, Mark, it, it must be very important. That's all I got to say. It's, it's a point of sale. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you want to talk about this now or later? I think it was, let's talk about later. It seems like so much fun. I don't know which to do. No, let's you, do you later. Trust me, you want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's delay that as long as well, possible. While we're waiting, Mark, let's jump over to the very good building company where Ron and team are brainstorming on a possible celebrity matchup to assist them in stealing, I mean, I'm sorry, winning the bid from Leslie. Right. We, we now cut to the very good building and development company, mm. and we now see that Donna and Tom have joined Ron in his office, and Tom is going over a whiteboard with names written on it, presumably a list of potential, you know, celebrities to go after, 
And at four minutes and 50 seconds, we get a brief glimpse of the whiteboard, and it has the following names. So at the top, we have Annabelle Porter, sure. of course, from Bluesh. Um, Dairy Murbles, who oh, we yeah. know from Thought for Your Thoughts. I love Dairy. Yeah, we love Dairy. Um, Crazy Ire and the Douche, mm. the morning shock jock. Classic. DJs. Classic. Um, Perd Happley, the reporter. Yeah. Um, Pistol Pete, the high school oh, sure. basketball star. Yeah, slam Duncan Pistol Pete. That's right. Um, he's, he works for ha Derwin Hamloves now. He does, yeah. And uh, uh, Dennis Feinstein. Oh, sure. The, the crazy, Perfume crazy mogul. Perfumerist. Whatever he is. <laughs> and, and then the human hunter. Yes, I think. He is. Good Lord. I think he um, wants to hunt me. The little Sebastian lookalike. Yeah. Which, that's a pretty strong candidate. I vote for that one. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, August Clementine. Oh, yeah. Again, thought for your thoughts. Yeah. His, his Eagletonian co-host that bastard uh trish ionetta who was the beauty pageant winner from season two yeah and finally tom haverford this is weird this how'd that get on there really sloppily scrawled like the bottom and red marker it got clearly done at the last donna's moment. like yeah that's your right hand right tom yeah he yeah. did that anyway <laughs> after a little bit it doesn't matter how his name got up nah, there. he's nah. he's happy to be recognized sure but anyway so after a bit of back and forth it seems like their best shot really is to go after the person that they consider to be Pawnee's biggest fish, so to speak, which yeah. would be in this context Annabelle Porter from Blue. Although that I'd woman say, is my nightmare. Although, although I think Lil Sebastian impersonator. Yeah, close second. I, I personally, I think that would have been a bigger win with the Peoples. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Tom and Donna, and you know the elite crowd that they represent. Sure, they like Annabelle, but. The, the average Pawneean's going to want the little Sebastian. I mean, come on. Yeah, but the, the average person's... Ben like, won't get it, but everyone else But those will. are garbage people. We don't care about them. <laughs> wow. So after after a little bit of back and forth, yeah, they're going to do the Annabelle Porter from Blue. Yeah. And Tom and Donna are very much, because they're the elite. Yeah. Like you said, they, they're very much in favor of this. Sure. Ron, Ron is not. Nah. Well, she did win the Pulitzer Prize for the best top 10 listicle two years in a row. Right. Uh that's a funny joke. That's it, though. All right. Well, Mark, back, back at the National Parks Department, Leslie and her team have a potential lead on an important historic connection that might help them steal. See, there I go again. I mean, win the bid from Ron. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now what happens is we cut back to Leslie's office at City Hall there on the third floor. Yeah. And we see a gentleman named Bill Haggerty walk ah. into Leslie's office and introduce himself. Um, <clears throat> Ro Bonstantine, play the clip, please. Hi, Leslie. Bill Haggerty from the Pawnee Historical Society. Oh, yes, Bill, I remember you. I heard you were looking for information on the new Portland, and I have some very exciting news for you. It concerns William Henry Harrison. We claim William Henry Harrison as a hero because he was the first governor of the Indiana Territories and then president of the United States. We're also a little ashamed of him because he didn't wear a coat at his inauguration, caught a bad cold, and died 32 days later. <laughs> he's an embarrassing footnote, but he's our embarrassing mm. footnote. I've recently self-published a biography about Harrison entitled Barely a President, <laughs> William Henry Harrison's 32 days in the White House. I discovered that Harrison had a heretofore unknown hunting lodge on the very land you're trying to acquire. Um, spoilers much? No, I'll never read that book. If a U.S. president had a house on that land, it could qualify for historic landmark status, and we could really stick it to Ron's team, which would be icing on the cake, not the reason why we're doing mm. this. Okay, 
Show me this incredible lodge. Let's go. That book sounded so boring, I cried a little. <laughs> oh, babe, I'm sorry you had to hear that. You're safe now. I'm glad he's safe. Well, back at the very good building company, Mark, I've taken to calling this the VGBC. Yeah. Yeah, because everything needs an acronym. It amuses me. It actually would be VGBDC. The VGBC. Very good building company. And development company. No, I don't care about that part. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Those of us in the know, Mark, just call it the VGBC. Okay. Yeah, it's a much better acronym. I Look, I'm all for dropping part of the legal name if yeah. it helps you make your acronym. Sure. All yeah. right. All right. All right, let's go, Mark. All right. All right, well, it seems that the sworn oath of a notary public only covers signatory transactions, but doesn't necessarily protect inside information. Or at least that's true if Jerry is your notary public. Or Terry, or whatever his name is today. Yeah, yeah, so now... No, he's all screwed up. But yeah. we cut back to the very good building and development company. Oh, yeah, and development. There it is. Yeah, just yeah. to be clear, yeah, it's not good. like the other one. It's the development company is, is in the middle. So Donna and Tom are still with Ron in his office, and we see Ben and Jerry walk in, and like as per their plan that we just heard, and, and they ask Ron to sign the point-of-sale document because it's really important, Alan, that he, that he signs that super document. Super important. Super important. So to, important. So this, this <laughs> Newport land parcel, and uh, Ron signs the super important thing, and then he, say, he asks Ben, like, so? He's making casual conversation. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yes, he does. And so he says, so, what is Leslie up to? And now... I give credit, true to his nature, Ben mm -hmm. successfully stays neutral and he politely mm. uh, declines to answer. And Ron then turns to Jerry and asks him the same thing. True to his nature, Jerry immediately caves yeah. and tells Ron about Leslie's uh, quest to find a historical reason to earmark the land for preservation. Hearing this, Ron reluctantly reconsiders, turns to Tom and says, is my AKA, mm. let's get... Annabelle Bluesh person. person. <laughs> Tom's very happy to hear that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jerry, for stealing, spilling the beans. Yeah. Yeah. Big bean spiller. Yeah, he is. Well, we now jump to some woodland location in the vast forests of southern Indiana and get to see the structure that might just save Leslie's deal or at least what's left of said structure. Yeah. So we now cut to a forest somewhere. In Pawnee. And we see Bill Haggerty leading Leslie, April, and Andy to William Henry Harrison's hunting lodge. Or, at least, an old broken up pile of twig stones and bricks. That marks the site of where the hunting lodge probably stood at one point. Yeah. Uh, so, on the one hand, Leslie is clearly disappointed. This yeah. is not nearly as impressive as she yeah. was hoping that it would be. On the other hand... Leslie stoically tries to stay positive, and even though it's not much, it is something, I guess, and she's determined to use this and anything else that she can gather regarding William Henry Harrison. Hearing this, Bill Haggerty excitedly suggests that they go to the William Henry Harrison Museum over in Vincennes. He volunteers there part-time out, yeah. you know, so yeah. he's really excited about it. He is excited. So, you know, we'll, I don't know what's going to happen now. Yeah. Well, Andy found a bag of old hamburgers <laughs> and a wig. Historic artifact. Historic artifact. That I cracked up. That was funny. That, that was a funny part. You know what? I, I'm giving some 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 grief about the whole vast forest thing, but it's true. The Hoosier National Forest is very big. It's like 
probably a third of Southern Indiana. So there, this is not that unrealistic. And it is around the Vincent, not too far from the Vincennes area. And I've been to the Lincoln uh, site of the Lincoln Memorial, or like his house in Indiana. Right. It's basically a pile of bricks too. So like, this is not that far out there, honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real irony is this probably could qualify her for historic landmark status. Yeah. If it could be verified. It's, it's not visually impressive no, it's not. per se, but yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And it's not, nor is he Lincoln. Right. So there's that. I, I love the end of this scene. You know, like you said, he, he, he like they said this, he, Leslie says, you know, I, I want to do things as much as the next person, but this, this site is garbage. Like it's literally garbage. garbage there's, yeah. there's a bag of old hamburgers and Andy's <laughs> like, well, get out of the way. I old hamburgers. You, you're telling my story here. So he goes over to those old hamburgers and gives them a home in his stomach. He's eating the old hamburgers. Uh, and then he says, I, I found it. I found a, a, a historical <laughs> artifact. I found, I found William Henry Harrison's wig. <laughs> and he holds up a dead possum. And April's just like, this is so cool. He's about to put it on his head. And, and, and Andy and Leslie says, Andy, put that down. And Andy kind of, because she's an authority figure to him. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so he's like looking at her. And he puts down the burgers, <laughs> thinking, "Okay, you got me. I, these burgers are kind of old." Now, this wig, on the other hand, yeah, this, this is going is right on my noggin, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh my! Well, back in Ben's office, there is a problem with the paperwork that, and uh, because you know oaths were sworn, Mark rules must now be followed. Yeah. You're not going to achieve your lifelong dream and then go, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, you got to yeah, see. You take it. this you stuff seriously. It. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a very, very short scene between Ben and Jerry. And the, the main takeaway is that Jerry, in his capacity as a notary public, discovered there was a page missing from the document. And as a result, the signatures Ben worked so hard to collect are now invalid. So Ben's frustrated, even going so far as to ask Jerry, like, look, can we can we just say that it was there? Which Jerry balks at, apparently, like you said, Alan, yeah, he I takes his that. responsibility as a notary public very seriously. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have backbone every now and again. Yeah. We'll see if the backbone sticks up. So, well, we now join Leslie and, and team at one of Indiana's most exciting museums where a presidential, what might have been, gets explored. This is like the what if equivalent of a presidential museum. Kind of. Yeah. In, in a way. I mean, there's a little bit of stuff from his 32 days and, and mostly his campaign, frankly, which lasted longer than his 32 days in office. Oh, for and sure. And this is a real place, by the way. I don't know if you looked it up. It's called Grouseland and it's in Vincennes, Indiana. Yeah, it's Grouseland. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not, not a great name. No. In fact, I went and looked at the website and then my company... <laughs> This is true. This is a true story. This is probably funnier than the whole episode. <laughs> My company's like web filtering software, because they actually show some of the weapons that are on display there, it blocked the site. I can't get back to it. Wow. It, this is a real story. I'm not making this up. Grouseland.org. Go, go check it out, kids, and maybe you'll get to see the weapons. I, I saw can. some dark limousines outside. <laughs> That's why, yeah. The helicopter overhead. Yeah. Look, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to rat you out. Yeah. I'm not going to give them anything else. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. I just, I want you to know I'm yeah, on your side. Appreciate that. Thanks, As Jerry. long as you have it. Uh -huh. All right. So we now cut to the William Henry Harrison Museum called Grouseland there in Vincennes, Indiana. And um, 
Leslie, April, Andy, and Bill Haggerty have now arrived, and they're looking through things. And April has a very funny talking head where basically she mocks the museum's ridiculousness. Mm. The, the theme being they can't even fill a small museum with real stuff about his life because right. he was so lame. Um, and we see Leslie attempting to uh, rouse some excitement about this giant tin and paper ball that was apparently rolled all across America as William Henry Harrison campaigned. Everyone is silent. They don't know what to do with that. Andy thinks maybe there's like a giant hamster inside the ball. That would make the ball that interesting. That would be cool, yeah. And then we kind of see a crack in Leslie's armor, and she lays it out for him saying, look, this is look, this is what we have to work with, okay? We're up against a very flashy internet company, and we should be aiming for quantity over quality. So we're going to throw a bunch of Harrison facts at him and a big pile of yeah. bricks and this tin, tin damn ball and anything else we can find. Whatever we can. Yeah. Quantity, people. Quantity. Quantity. I love that April said uh, she, she's touring us around. The, the best room of the museum was this room is the is called the other things that were famous for one month. And you hear Chumbawamba playing Tough in the thumping. background. Oh, so yeah. good. Oh, and then, uh, then one of the rooms is the if he'd worn a coat. Oh, yeah. Room. That's the what if. Tie That's in. the what if possibility. Yeah. And then it's like, what would have happened? Like, who would have won the Oscars? And like, you know. I'm sure it would have. It's had, interesting. It's it's when a butterfly flops its wings, Mark. You know, tidal wave across the world. Yeah, that's what happened. I saw that movie. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. It was better than this. So, over at the Blue Shed quarters. That had Ethan Suplee in it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's before he became like like a, the Mr. Universe. I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out again. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, it's no two and a half minutes. It's really not, no. So, Mark, over at the Blues headquarters, it's time to put a face to this campaign and put the grizzle where the sun don't shine, or at least that's what Leslie told them she wants to do. Mark, what actually does happen at Blues headquarters? I, I got lost in this. But you're 10 degrees of crazy, aren't you? Yeah. So if, let me tell you what. Yeah. We go to the Blues HQ. That's where they call it. And we see the that. We, Blues HQ. Mm -hmm. And we see that. Page is silent. It's the, the Blues HQ. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop now. Blues? <laughs> I don't know. Like Blues Clues? Blues Q. <laughs> oh, I thought the H was silent in blue, so now it's just like blues. It's the HQ. The ad H is silent. <laughs> well, you you are better at, at, at grammar yeah. and nonsense than I am. Nonsense so, for sure. So, yeah. All right. So we now cut to Blue's Q, mm -hmm. and we see that Ron and Tom and Donna have arrived to speak with the one and only Annabelle Porter. <clears throat> Roe Bonstantine, play the clip, please. Please. Wow. This is exactly what I imagine heaven looks like, right down to the unisex linen tunics. Mm. Annabelle Moshery. Hi, I'm sorry, I'm late for our coven. I was polishing my oyster forks with a cage-free olive oil rub. Apology accepted, and then I have no reaction to anything else you've said. <laughs> I can't help but ask, what's in right now? Well, this season I'm intrigued by asymmetrical overalls, Angora toothbrushes, and locally sourced Italian flip-flops. Also, there's a flirty trend in beverages. So you've had soy milk and almond milk. Now, try the hottest new craze, beef milk. It's like almond milk that's been squeezed through tiny holes in living cows. That's so good. <laughs> milk. No. no. Milk costs $3 a gallon. Annabelle's authentic hand-strained, teeth-to-table beef milk, 
That costs $60 a gallon. Yeah, and there's a wait list. This woman knows business. And I'd be extremely jazzed to be part of the grizzle bit. Shall we discuss it in my yurt? Great. Right. Okay, let's try this again. All pages accounted for. Just sign right here. How's Leslie doing with her quest? Again, I don't want to talk about her plan with you, nor yours with her. I'm sure you understand. Absolutely. Terry, what is Leslie up to? Oh, getting ready for a big press conference. Terry, come on! <laughs> a press conference. So she's found something to strengthen her bid. Miss Porter! No need to discuss any further. You will be the face of the grizzled bid. Smashing. Well, this calls for a celebratory dram of aged grappa. So I just sign here? No, no, no! Oh, great. There you go. Yeah, that's invalid. Yeah, now. I know. Wow. Those poor guys. They, they really are trying to sign this document. That poor point of sale document. Yeah. It's a really important document. It's and super it keeps, important. It keeps getting maligned. Yeah. And it's clearly necessary because apparently Ron and uh, Leslie own something that they're selling. I, I don't. Let's just move on. Look, you know. That's a fun. I will say, though, that there's some of the best parts of this episode are in that scene. I mean, tea to table. That, that's funny. I'm sorry. Right. It is. And beef milk. I mean, okay. That's bleeping milk. That's <laughs> bleeping milk. Oh my gosh. You know that that is interesting though. Like, is as stupid as the ideas may seem. Like even to yeah. Ron. Yeah. From a business perspective, if you had, if if you actually do have a lot of people yeah. willing to pay that money, it doesn't for matter. It. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's true in the real world. Too. I mean, yikes! But yeah, it's it's a <laughs> no, it's thriller. pronounced yurt. It's a yurt. <laughs> Gosh. I love it. Well, meanwhile, back at the Harrison Museum, Leslie is determined to do the things she does involving mountains and molehills, of course. And we are reminded, more importantly, Mark, that even heroes sometimes get body odor. Is that what they do? Yeah, they do. Trust me. Oh. It all happens in this scene. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, we're back at Grouseland mm. in Vincennes mm. and uh, the, you know that William Henry Harris Museum. Yeah, sure. Because that's what they call it. Mm -hmm. So... April's kind of liking the museum. She thinks it's weird and sad and unnecessary. So, I mean, that kind of seems up her alley like a little bit. Right. So she goes to Bill Haggerty and says, hey, the, the, you got a weird, sad, unnecessary museum here. I kind of <laughs> dig it. Could, could I, what do you think about me being a curator? Mm. And he goes, oh, no, sorry. He, I think he's Canadian. Yeah. He says, sorry, uh, is only, uh, everyone's here as a volunteer. Ah. That's too bad. No, this frustrates April. And even though Andy, he tries to like rally her, he tries to say the right things. April is now at this point really down about her job prospects. And she almost seems like she's ready to give up. Leslie encourages everyone to keep at it. Come on, keep at it. Grab everything you can. Grab everything to support your case. Uh, while all of a sudden, who should run in but Ben and Jerry? Because the documents the are document now invalid. Are. The point of sale documents, Alan. Yeah, they followed him to Vincennes. Yeah. Like an hour and a half away. Like they lowjacked uh, Leslie. So they know <laughs> where she is. Sure. Um, the GPS and stuff, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all of those things. And so now they got to ask Leslie to sign the papers once more. And Leslie does, you know, because she's a trooper. Mm. And then she asks, well, what is, hey, what's Ron up to? And Ben's just like, I'm, look, I'm trying to stay neutral. And then she's like, you need to suck it because you're married to me. And that that supersedes. And he's like, I don't even care anymore. Yeah. I'll tell you. So, okay, <laughs> Ron and Grizzle, 
now officially have Annabelle Porter to be mm. their the celebrity face of their bid. Um, so now Leslie goes, oh, oh, oh. Well, now I got to up my game. Yeah, two can play this game. Yeah, at least. I don't know how many players. And so trying to fight fire with fire, Leslie asks Bill Haggerty if William Henry Harrison has any descendants in the area. And Bill mentions there's one, a distant nephew named Zach Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. So excited at the possibilities because she's trying to stay positive. She's yeah. trying to stay up, upbeat. Leslie is determined to have Zach Harrison join them for uh, the press conference, thinking maybe, maybe we can win this after all. All right. And Andy apparently knows Zach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they went to camp together. Yeah, and then stuff happened. Yeah, he, the dude has... Bad B.O. It's, yeah. And then it got even worse. Yeah. I, I don't want Something to inappropriate with this counselor. We'll just leave it at that. He's royalty. Yeah, I, <laughs> you got to just shove that aside. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, next up, we join Ben and Terry on the road and learn much more about the notary public position in history and process than we or Ben actually care to know. So, yeah, this is another short little scene between Ben and Jerry. And this time it's on the road as Ben's driving them back to Pawnee. Um, and Jerry is spouting off facts about notary publics that he thinks are fascinating. Where it is, it's clear Ben has had enough of yeah. notary public Jerry for quite some time. Yeah, even, even Ben is done. Right. Yeah. Well, we now jump over to the Pawnee Super Suites where it's about to get real and three important things happen. Andy has a brilliant moment of clarity. We meet the latest of the Harrison line of succession and Leslie learns about Ron's plan to steal her thunder. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're at the Pawnee Super Suites getting ready for the press conference and uh, apparently, apparently Leslie has acquired a jug band mm -hmm. to do a song about William Henry Harrison like they did in the old days. Yeah. And their name is the Jug, jug or Nots. I love it. I, uh, yeah. I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. You heard me. I did. The Jug or Nots. Yeah. So we yeah. see the Jug or Nots uh, warming up. And then we see Andy walk over to April and sit down. Uh, Ro Boston team, play the clip, please. Babe, I have been thinking a lot about what you said. I made a list of everything that I know you like. Playing with our dog, staring contests, sex with me, <laughs> etc. And then I lost the list. So I had to make a new list. I didn't have any paper, so I wrote it on my leg. And that's when my leg fell asleep. Okay, could you just skip ahead a little? What do all the things on that list have in common? They're one-on-one. -on -one. You like dealing with people or dogs one-on-one. -on -one. See, we don't make a list of the things that you love. We make a list of the reasons why you love them. And then we find something that fits that list. You're the best husband ever. That's sweet. Mm -hmm. Hi, Zach Harrison. You wanted to meet with me oh. about a press conference? Yes, hello, Zach. Yes, I am Leslie. It is an honor to have you here. You are Indiana's last living link to this great man. Look, I really don't think you should make a big deal out of this. I just happen to be a descendant of a guy. You could be the descendant of George Washington. I wouldn't know. <gasps> Do you? No, that was just a hypothetical. Could that be possible? Because, you know, I have always thought that we shared very similar jawlines. <sighs> wow, that's something to chew on. Anyway, okay, doesn't matter. I need this to be very impressive. So head on in there and be presidential. Oh. Lee descended. Just go in there. Okay, just walk, walk, walk there. Quiet now, walk in. <laughs> Zach, Camp Wamapoke, you got a boner. We'll catch up. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. What, Ron, 
are you doing here? Setting up for our press conference, which will take place immediately after yours. Are you crazy? You can't do that. Do you want me to bite him? No. <laughs> Ignore them. We start in 10 minutes. Swanson, you didn't say anything about ambushing Leslie's press conference. I didn't think it was relevant. Come on, man. This isn't cool. This is a competition. We need to win it. Please do your jobs. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, him and Leslie are both of a single-minded focus, that's for sure. Destroy the other. Yeah. They've probably forgotten what, they're e what this is even all about. It seems like both of them have forgotten their own personal codes. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so curious about the dynamic of April and Ron in this situation. But Right, because yeah. she's going to bite him. She's going to bite him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that just, yeah, that, that's one of the things that bothers me. So, but we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, as a threat, not a promise. Well, we are finally at the point where Leslie's press conference is about to begin, and things start off pretty well with Leslie making a decent pitch and introducing Harrison's legacy. And then things take a turn, Mark, a unexpected 180 degree look behind you turn, in fact. So, still at the Pawnee Super Suites, yep. we see Leslie at the microphone officially starting her press conference. And to set the scene and feel, we hear some bugle music start playing over the speaker system as Leslie talks about William Henry Harrison's heretofore unknown hunting lodge that was recently discovered, they think, within the Newport Land Parcel. She talks about what great historical moments, you know, may have taken place. I mean, who's to say? Yeah. And because and, you don't know. You don't know. And for so sure. then, has, and then, then she has William Henry Harrison's descendant, Zach Harrison, get up on stage. And that didn't go real well because he didn't know what to say. And Leslie's like, you just sit down now. <laughs> um, Leslie then talks about how back in 1840, the giant tin and paper ball was rolled from yeah. town to town. That's kind of cool. As William Henry Harrison, known as Old Tippecanoe, yeah. and his running mate, John Tyler, were campaigning. And then we hear the old tune, Tippecanoe and Tyler, Tyler too, yeah. played by the Jug Ornots, um, which, among other things, the tune mentions how, you know, Tippecanoe and Tyler would, would beat incumbent President Martin Van Buren, who was right. known as Little Van. Yeah. At the end of the tune... You know, it's, it's kind of clever. I mean, a bit. And, yeah. and so at the end of the tune, Leslie smiles, and the audience looks, like, slightly bored. Yeah. Like, it's not real engaging, but, yeah. like, they, they give up some light applause. Yeah. All of a sudden, the light applause is interrupted by an air arm blowing, and then there's a wall behind them. The wall unexpectedly like rolls opens. back, yeah. and, and we see Tom and Donna are now on another opposing stage with a giant grizzle logo behind them. And Tom says, who cares about the past? Grizzle is the future. And Donna then brings Annabelle Porter on stage oh to be all blushy, and then she's going to introduce their vision along with, quote, the sexy ladies known in Pawnee as the somebody's daughter dancers. That's kind of funny. It's very funny. We then see the members of the press slowly migrating over to the grizzle side. Like, what's going on here? This is way more interesting than this big uh -huh. ball. Yeah. Um, they're clearly drawn in by the flashy, more modern presentation. During all this, Leslie and Ron are they're staring each other down. Like they, Leslie, they kill each other with these. Leslie stairs. is absolutely boiling. Yeah. Yeah, Ron knows what he's doing, and he's doing it just to aggravate her. Yep. Because, I mean, 
Yeah, we'll talk more. Uh, anyway, well, out in the lobby, Leslie confronts Ron after the press conference where they spend the next few minutes ignoring and then abusing each other. And eventually somebody crosses a line. So here we're still at the Pawnee Super Suites and so, some time has passed. I think the Grizzle press conference is, over. is now yeah. over and the members of the press have left. Yeah. And, it's pretty and, much just them now, right? Right. Roughly, so we yeah. now see, we see Leslie. She marches up to Ron and she starts to get into it with April and Andy and Tom and Donna all in the background looking on. And I think Ben and Jerry are about to once again like jogging to the room yeah. and go guys guys we need to sign these really the really important forms yeah uh, you know you, robinson team yeah you're back there play the clip please i thought he was on break that was sickening all flash and no substance it was exactly as substantive as your presentation no it was not we had way more quantity than you please please for the love of all that is holy both of you Please sign this form. Not that it matters. I'm definitely going to wake up tomorrow morning with these same forms for you to sign because I've died somehow and now I'm a ghost living in purgatory until I complete my unfinished business. Okay, I'm not signing anything he's signing. Did you just hear what I said? No, of course you didn't because I'm a ghost. <laughs> you know what? I can't stand you. I can't stand your stupid mustache and your stupid shirt and your stupid name, Ron. Ron. It's not even a word. Well, I have had just about enough of your stubborn behavior. Ever since the Morningstar incident, you have been completely unreasonable. You were the unreasonable one. You've been unreasonable way before Morningstar. You're the most unreasonable, stubborn person I have ever met, and I am never going to change my mind on that, no matter what anybody says. Yeah. <laughs> You're not that good at scrapbooking. Oh, geez. Uh, what? Oh. <laughs> okay, would you just sign right here, and I will need your thumbprints. Storm off. Yeah, they're not going to do that. You might try again, Larry, Larry, Terry, whatever his name is this week. And, and not to belabor this, but, but that is so different from Ron, because he, he can be, Ron can be stubborn. Yeah. Ron can be combative. Yeah. He's never been cruel. Yeah. That's cruel, Ron. Yeah, d digging at Leslie on something that she clearly is very good at and takes, does passionately. Yeah, that's that's a below the belt. And do you see everybody's like open mouth like, oh my God, oh, did he just, God. no, he this did. This is gonna be yeah. bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. yeah, it's very bad. Well, just after Leslie and Ron storm off, the rest of the gang compares notes and they search themselves for shrapnel wounds while finally a bit of inspiration comes from the most unlikely of places, Terry's mouth. That's right, whatever his name is. Uh, so th this is a somewhat short scene. So we're still at the Pawnee Super Suites and Leslie and Ron have just angrily stormed off in mm. opposite directions. And at this point, we see Tom, Donna, April, Andy, Ben, Jerry. They're all standing around and they're talking in the aftermath of the confrontation. Yeah. Essentially, they're all just... They're stunned. They're blown away. Yeah. And I think they're a little saddened at yeah. how much Leslie and Ron just genuinely appear to hate yeah. each other. And at the end, Jerry, I think, nicely summarizes what he believes is going on, to your point. And he says... Well, they've always butted heads to right. a degree, but I, I really I don't think that they hate each other. I think that they are very different people, and I think that they've drifted apart once they stop working in the same office, and they kind of have that moment of contemplation, like, yeah. "Huh, 
So let's see what they do with that. Yeah. Well, Mark, we wrap up the episode with a couple of scenes back at the park service where Ben is finally able to arrange a compromise with Leslie so that he can get this document fully executed. Yeah, you got to get the document executed. It's important, Mark. It's very, it's, very important. You can't go on without it. No. And so here we are. It's, uh, it's now in the late evening. It's probably... It's probably like just before 10 p.m. Like it's late. Yeah. And we cut to the third floor of City Hall and we see Ben knock on Leslie's door before he comes into her office to talk to her. And he knows she's upset. Yeah. And so he asks, how you doing? And, and like, I know, I know you're furious at Ron, yeah. but she's fine. Cause she just ordered 60 veggie pizzas and sent them to Ron's that's office. That's a classic prank. Veggie pizzas. I mean, come on. That's funny. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, so, but could she please, you look, I know you're mad at him, but for the love of God, I got this. I don't know if you realize this. I got this point of sale document. It's really important. Super important. So could you please, 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 please come to a neutral site? The, I'm going to get both of you to come there and just, just please sit down with, with us and me and Jerry and Ron for 30 seconds. And then for the love of God, we can finally get those dumb documents yeah. signed. And Leslie is not at all happy about this. No. She doesn't want anything to do with Ron. Nuts to him and his stupid mustache. But she finally, uh, uh, all right. She's not happy about it, but she agrees. And well, so, Ben literally offers to re let her rename the twins. Yeah. Yeah, right? Right. What is it? Ruth Bader and Ginsburg? Right. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, it is funny. It's very funny, yeah. <laughs> so then a few minutes later, they're, they're walking down. They, they take the elevator probably from the third floor to the first floor. Yeah. And they're at the first floor city hall, and we see Leslie and Ben walking in the hallway, and they're walking towards um, the new magnetic door yeah. of the parks department. Yeah. Did Leslie leave her badge at the office or something? I mean, that's what it feels like, right? Mm, yeah, I, I, she, I guess because she figures it's just going to be very, very brief. Yeah. Uh, it's really brief. Yeah. And, uh, and plus, she doesn't work at that parks department anymore. That's true. Good point. You know? And so what the hell good is yeah, that going to Yeah, her badging would get her in there anyway. You know, because, I mean, I've tried. I've tried to get into all sorts of doors. Yeah. And you'd be work. surprised at the alarms that go off yeah, at my company. Yeah. Um, it's not my company. No. It used to be my company. Uh -huh. It's no longer my company. It's not your company. And then they kick me out. Yeah. I really need a new badge. But anyway, so <laughs> if, so they're at the, the Parks and Rec uh, department, which, you know, I don't think anyone's been there for quite a while. No. And you, the, the, the magnetic door is transparent. It's not opaque. Yeah. They turn down the opacity. And so then you can see Ron is sitting there. Yeah, he's already big, in there. With his big, dumb Ron mustache. And yeah. he's already seated in there like, oh, okay, let's get this over yeah. with. Um, hey, <clears throat> Roboston team, uh, play us out, sir. Finish us off. All right, let's just get this over with. Oh, let me get that for you. Got him. What? What's going on? What's going on? Let us out immediately. No, you guys are being ridiculous. This has gone too far, and you are not leaving this office until you've made peace. No! To be continued. Fade to black. Dot, dot, dot. So, so a couple things about that. Yeah. Um, one is, I know this seemed like like Ben is like like hey, 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 like he's orchestrating yeah. all this. He seals them in. Yeah. He locks them in, and then the entire gang's behind him. Yeah. So then they walk up behind. Like I think just to show, look, we're this is all of us together. This, this is isn't us, just yeah. Ben, right? Right. And and them, you know, like we're. You, like we're locking you in until you make up. Yeah. Darn it. Well, someone had to get Ron there. It occurred to me. Right. So definitely took more than just Ben. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
So then, like, they're not happy about it. No. And then, like you said, you see the, the, the black screen with white text to be continued. Yeah. Well, all right. Let me chew on that for a minute. Let's take a break, Mark. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. We know we're going to do that. We'll come back, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up after that. Sure. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Yep. Are you a member of a group that needs a place to meet with accommodations for anywhere from 20 to 200 people? Would you like to be able to utilize a room named after a Pawnee celebrity, such as the Calamezzo Ballroom or Happily Hall? If so, then the Pawnee Super Suites Hotel slash Motel may be just what you need. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Located at 380 Drexel Avenue in Greater Pawnee, the Pawnee Super Suites provides reasonably priced accommodations with free, over-the-air, broadcast television and beautiful views of Eastern Drexel Avenue. If you've been to the Super Suites before, don't let that stop you. I will now read an official prepared statement from the newest management team. Quote, for our overnight hotel and motel guests, we are happy to report that many of our exterior room doors can now, in fact, be successfully locked for privacy. Our cleaning staff may not be the friendliest, per se, but they almost always do their appointed job. Our pool now features such improvements as chlorine and security cameras. Be sure to make use of our famous and wonderfully random wake-up calls. You never know who's going to call or when. For our corporate and conference clients, our meeting and banquet rooms have recently been upgraded with the most luxurious seating that $8 per chair could buy from Larry's Chair Emporium. Enjoy presentations from semi-famous regional celebrities over our almost state-of-the-art AV equipment in plush meeting rooms with delightfully unstable temperatures. Finally, enjoy eclectic cuisines from such exotic locales as Brazil, Indiana, Portland, Indiana, Alexandria, Indiana, and Lebanon, Indiana. With accoutrements like these, the Pawnee Super Suites has firmly established itself as a viable choice when you just need someplace good enough. End quote. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you and receive a free 13-ounce spray can of Bed Bugs Be Gone at check-in to use at your leisure and for no other reasons. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, we did have some deleted scenes this week. Uh, if you've got the DVDs, check these out. We had about three minutes and 55 seconds worth, roughly four scenes, mm -hmm. roughly a minute each. Um, you know, I feel differently about these. And sometimes I think we are looking at the, 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 the deleted scenes and thinking, oh, that was funny. That would be nice if that was in there. I don't know. I felt like there are some things unsaid in the canon episode that were said more explicitly and better in the deleted scenes. And so I'm of a mind that here, maybe removing some of what was in canon and replacing it with what was in deleted could have made me feel a little better about this episode. But I, I don't know. What, what's your take? Um, 
give us some give us some examples of what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Well, I think Leslie and 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 Ben have this scene at the beginning where they're talking about the challenges that lie ahead, and it's a nice scene as a family, which we rarely get to see, right? Right. And we actually get to see Ruth Bader and Ginsburg on the screen, which is oh, neat. Oh, that's right. Right, and they tackle Ben. It's kind of a sweet moment too, and and you know, it, we, it's funny because she's been secretly feeding them vegetables, right. and then Ben reveals that he's been doing that to her and her waffles, oh. which is ridiculous, but. Yeah. Also funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of Jerry and his notary stuff where he talks about his passion behind it. And I, and Leslie talking about, you know, putting lipstick on the pig, so to speak, with the Harrison Museum. And then I think there's actually April kind of explaining in a better, more succinct way her feelings about why she's so glum about this not knowing her future thing. Mm. So I felt like all four of the storylines kind of had a little bit of a, a boost in the deleted scenes. Certainly no producer's cut, but I don't know. I, I could definitely I could definitely see the, the April scene because um, that story was very, very small very scene small. and time-wise. Yeah. So, like, anything extra, not only to clarify, but yeah. just to give it a little bit more oomph. It's not, and it's not out of the blue in this episode if you've seen episodes one and two. If you somehow just started the season with this episode, you'd be like, why is she upset? What's going on? Right. So, I, I think it could have helped create a foundation for that too so anyway i'll buy that uh, deleted scenes are deleted scenes check them out see if you agree if you disagree you know drop a uh, you know a comment here in the notes and then give us a like oh wait no this is not youtube never mind sorry it might be one day though maybe maybe we'll see so mark how about tropes first and fun facts how about that well i i strained my brain and I'm yeah. just thinking to myself there, I came up with one first and then I, I thought maybe there's others that are laughing at me because they're like, they're looking at me and waiting for me to find yeah, them and I couldn't don't. find them. Yeah. I said that we first learned Jerry has become a notary public. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote it's the first reference to William Henry Harrison, kind of weak, but. Hmm. All right. I mean, it, like, like Leslie said, he is kind of an embarrassing footnote for Indiana. That's not untrue. Right. Right. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, that, that's all I had on first. Uh, tropes and fun facts and goofs. How about any of those? I had, uh, didn't have any goofs. Uh, my tropes, I had a uh, punching bag Jerry. Yeah. And then Jerry, Gary, Larry, Terry, Barry, Gergich, Gingrich, yep. all the names. Yeah. Um, I had uh, Zorp the Surveyor. I love it. And the Church of that's the That's going through the sphincter there, right? Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Mm. And then I had a uh, <laughs> Lousy with Lurpuses. Oh, yeah, I missed that one. Good, um, good call. I had one that I. I think we've used before, and if we haven't, we probably should have. April's unsure about her life. Mm. She has these points where she's just really like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm not real happy, and I don't know the next step forward. April's uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sweet, stupid Andy. Oh, gosh, yeah. Although, I, I would say it, 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 it leaned maybe more towards the sweet, sweet and a little bit less towards the stupid. That's actually what my note says, too. Uh, mugs to the camera. Yep. Fun with names. Definitely. Um, I love the Jug or Nots. Yeah. <laughs> which is a real band, actually, out of that's, L.A. That's craziness. So, yeah. um, I said uh, Tom and Donna love Annabelle Porter. Yeah. That's uh, good. Ron hates uh, Annabelle Porter and Blue. Yes. Uh, woodworking Ron. Yeah, that's true. I, I missed that one, but good call. Um, Morning Star because they do reference uh, it again. Yeah. yeah, they do. So it's still like we what still don't know it what about? it is. Yeah, we still don't know. And then I said, um, like, 
a mechanical trope, uh, Pawnee Super Sweets, just because it's been used for yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, locations. They, they qualify, I think, in this right. world that we live in, that we created. Why not? Right. We right make not. the rules. Let's that, make them count. That's all I got. How about you? Uh, that You had my list. So <laughs> nice job. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I had some fun facts. I did. Te- I tracked, like, there were two goofs that were online I think are worth mentioning. Okay. This continuity error with April and the stick at the museum, eh, whatever. Uh, then this whole thing about Zach, you know, if, if he were an uncle's nephew's son's brother's, whatever, you know, actually nephew, I think it's nephew, they say. You know, he's not really a direct descendant, and, and that's what they advertise him as. So, you know, again, they're just trying to put lipstick on the pig, or it's a goof. I don't care. You know, it's one or the other. Well, right, you're right. They they use the phrase direct descendant yeah. somewhat incorrectly because, yeah. like, usually you think it's the direct lineage of, of the person. Like, parents, grandparents, yeah. great grandparents, and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, distant nephew, like, you're off that path. So, yeah, you're, you you're a descendant, you're not a direct descendant. Right. And I don't know where Leslie got her jawline, but Washington had no children. So, there you go. Well, but they never said that she was a direct descendant of George Washington. They just said, she, he suggested, I looked at the text. Yeah. He just said, uh, you could be a descendant. Ah, so, okay. uh, you know what? Whatever. All right. I'll buy it. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I didn't really feel like any of them really qualified as goofs, except maybe the continuity error. Right. Which, you know, that's the biggest continuity error. That they're doing pretty good. Um, for fun facts, you know, Ron, Ron has in the past mentioned various woodworking mm-hmm. persona yeah. and more often than not they're they're, they're real. real people yeah. Yeah. um so he mentions uh i think like it's the celebrity that he recognizes yeah it, it's furniture maker gary knox bennett designer of the notorious 16 penny nail cabinet yeah uh, he's a real woodworking artist yeah um whose uh, whose stuff has been exhibited in galleries all across the u.s um also, just to make mention, and I, I think you started this at one point, so this could be a separate segment, but, you know, we kind of say, like, well, what have we seen the last of? Yes. So I I clocked three things that we've seen the last okay. of, I believe. Things, not people. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing a, a generic category. All right, fair so enough. So one is Manrico De La Rosa. Yes. Goodbye to him. Yes, goodbye to him. Um, another is Annabelle Porter. Yep. In in Bluesh yeah. by extension, played by Aaron Hayes. Yeah, yep. Uh, who is in the latest uh, uh, Christmas Story movie? Oh, I saw that in her IMDb, and I, I haven't seen that. Is that worth a watch? So then the other thing is, uh, <laughs> uh, it's the last time that uh, I really wanted to like it. Yeah, because the, the the original is one of my favorites. Oh, of all us time. too. It's an annual. Yeah. But the other thing I had is, it's the last time that there's an appearance or mention of Zorp the Surveyor oh, in nice. the Church of the That's Reasonless. That's good call. Yeah. So I on my other saying goodbye list, I had um, the character um, Bill Haggerty played by Hamilton Mitchell. It's the last time we meet him. Who's the town historian. Oh, yeah. We've met him before. Mm-hmm. And, Her- and Hamilton Mitchell, the actor, died in 2021. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a pretty short list of saying goodbye this week. But, you know, we're getting there. It's right. happening right. a little bit every episode. That's right. All right, Mark. Well, should we get into our scores then? All right, let's do it. And I can tell you just haven't, you cannot wait for this. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Mark, who were your MVPs this week? Uh, you, I'm just so curious. Well, so you, you, you presume, good sir, that I have I'm MVP sorry. plural. Who was your single MVP this week? No, my co-MVPs were Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson uh-huh. and Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer. 
Okay, tell me why. So I'll tell you why. I won't disagree. I'm just curious. Um, so first of all, this this uh, this this episode had some problems. It had some it had some good parts. It had a, a decent amount of of funny parts that like made me laugh against my will, which yeah. is which is something. Yeah. The C story and the D story were largely throwaway. It, it just felt like a, yeah. a, a weird, uh, disjointed mess. Um, the A and B story were okay, but it, it was kind of hard to like even get real, real engaged with them. But they were better. Um, I, I think I think that that they were kind of slow going. Like it, it they, they the, their pace was a little slow for me. Yeah. Having said that, I feel like. Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson saved the B story with his Swanson-esque awesomeness slash ridiculousness. Fair. He was very, very funny, uh, and it kind of gave it some life, you know? And I think in a similar way, Chris Pratt, in many ways, saved the A story, and I think also his little teeny tiny sub story with April, yeah. I think he <laughs> saved both of those to to an extent with his own Dwyer brand of, you know, awesomeness, okay. ridiculousness. Yes. I especially like that Sweet Stupid Andy managed to emphasize the sweet a little bit more than mm -hmm. the stupid as yeah, they I finally that. found yeah. a reasonable, pragmatic way to help April with their continuing job search. Um, and I thought that, I mean, they aren't the only ones that did a good job. I thought Amy Poehler did a fine job. I thought Audrey Plaza did a fine job. Um, but I feel like in terms of what made me like this episode... I thought Nick Offerman and Chris Pratt managed to just outshine them a little bit. Okay. Um, they did a decent job using their deep comedic bench. Um, it's just that the, the episode itself, I think, had some issues. Mm -hmm. um, and as I already mentioned, the stories felt a little disjointed. I wasn't terribly engaged in, in any of them, unfortunately, mm -hmm. like even the A and B story. Um, so, all right. That's all I got to say about that right now. I'm just going to go into the crazy Mark Ruber. All right. Um, I'm going to give this a three base score. Um, and I think I already told you what I think about the, the different stories that, you know, the, the smallest, the smaller two were largely throwaways. Oh, by the way, I, you know how I sometimes count how many scenes each has? Yes. It was kind of weird because sometimes a scene served three different stories. I saw that. Yeah. Um, so this is going to sound weird, but out of the 24 scenes they had. Yeah. About 9.3 of them, don't ask how I got that math, about 9.3 of them were the Leslie story. Okay. About 6.8 of them were the Ron Bluesh story. About 5.4 of them, believe it or not, was the notary yeah. thing. And like 2.5 was the April's Gotta Find a Job. Ah, okay. So... You know, maybe they spread themselves a little thin, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't feel like uh, you're doing yourself a favor if you don't give the stories enough meat to really make them make them sing. But, I mean, the writing can be a problem, too. But anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, 3.0 base score. for Okay. That's really for me on the low side. That's for very sure. low for you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give uh, an entire point for what I thought was a good job by my my picks for episode co-MVPs. Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson. Chris Pratt is Andy Dwyer. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I thought was a, a decent use of the comedic bench for what it is worth. And a nice list of guest stars, really, including Jormac Tacone as uh, Roscoe Santangelo, the, the vice president of... Cool new shiz. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Aaron Hayes, of course, the great Aaron Hayes yeah. is Annabelle Porter. I like her. Um, Hamilton Mitchell, rest in peace, uh, as uh, Bill Haggerty, who you're right. We've seen him before. Yeah, one other episode, I think, yeah. Um, Tim Baltz. Time Capsule. I think he was in Time Capsule. You think you're right. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Um, Tim Baltz uh, as the uh, not direct descendant, Zach Harrison. Right. Um, Richard Birch as the nitrous-loving Herman Lurpus. Broke um, a window. What's that? Broke a window. Uh, broke a window. Um, Gary Carlos Cervantes as Manrico De La Rosa, which is mm. his last uh, episode with, mm. with Parks and Rec. And uh, then we have uh, Patrick Coleman Duncan as Marty Zurch uh, and uh, Dan Gilvezen as Andover Muse, that those two were the Zorpies. Gotcha. Um, so all that silliness, half point for all that, including comedic binge. So that's fair. Okay. Um, I'm going to give half point for what I call the Ben and Jerry combo. Jerry got some decent screen time, which is always nice for him. And, you know... I, I, you know, scoff at the point of sale thing, if you will. I like this version of Ben where he, like, loses his mind over something that's mundane. I, I like that version of Ben. So that can be fun to see him unravel. Okay. Um, I'm going to give half point for what I call the April Andy combo. Um, their story wasn't great. It was definitely, I think, too small. But I understood the premise. And April had a few funny lines. She had some good talking heads. And I thought that Andy came really came through for April in a very sweet and surprisingly smart yeah, way. I definitely agree with that. I'm going to give half point for what I call the Tom Donna combo. Um, I like seeing these two team up, and this was no exception. I like it, you know seeing them strut their stuff as only they can do for the grizzle side. I'm going to give half point for what I call the blueish combo. Um, I like Aaron Hayes' Annabelle Porter. I like the whole concept of, of blueish, all its ridiculousness, um, setting up some great jokes. Yeah. Uh, you know, beef milk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's not just for breakfast anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and how much Tom and Donna love her and how much Ron despises her. Yeah. And I'm going to give one whole point for what I call the bookend combo. And it really probably would only be like, 0.25 for the cold open and 0.75 for the kicker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got to see the introduction of Leslie's quest to strengthen her case by getting the Newport Land preserved. And the really quite good ending, I thought, which it, it's, it's good because of its promise, I think. You know, it essentially serves as the perfect, uh, you know, uh, intro into our next episode. Okay. You know, uh, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, so you add all those crazy mark points up and you get 7.5 little Sebastians. Um, it wasn't their worst episode, but it, it had some problems. It, during most of it, I feel like it felt definitely mediocre, especially in comparison to some of the great episodes that they've had. Um, my gut even told me that, gosh, this feels like it may be a 7.0. For me, what saved it from being a 7.0 was I, I really feel like Nick and Chris saved it with their I th they brought the funny at the right times. I'm like, OK, you, they did a good job. There are some good jokes that were shared by everybody, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the kicker was good. Um, so I thought I'm going to give it the nod. I'm going to bring it up to a 7.5. I can okay. live with that. All so right. that's my review. Alan, rock the scuba. All right, man. Um, thank you. That, I, I like your review. I think everything you said is, uh, <laughs> is good. And I don't like, I don't even disagree with you. Um, 
except for one point, and I'll, I'll tell you what that is. So okay. my, my MVP, I only did one this week, mm. was Jim O'Hare. Oh, um, I thought of all the characters and their storylines. Like, I can't blame the actors or the characters for the words they were given, right? So just get rid of that. I thought Jim O'Hare did a great job. Like, he's just so happy about being a notary. And it's a dumb storyline. And I'll talk about Ben's part of that storyline in a minute. But um, I don't know. I just thought Jim did a terrific job. And he got a lot of screen time that he doesn't usually get. And so I think from a comedic bench perspective, Donna had some good screen time. So, yeah, um, you know, Tom, April, Andy, they all give up some. And we've talked about those the balances that, you know, the gears and lovers that have to make that happen to give everybody somewhat, you know, to feature all the players. Right. I mean, it's, that's a hard job to do. Right. Um, you know, without Ann and Chris there, I think it's gotten a little easier because mm -hmm. they haven't functionally replaced them. Right. Right. So I think I would expect them to be better at the comedic bench with all the remaining episodes. I'll right. just say that in terms of expectations. Um, this is the worst episode of season seven. Just going to go right out and say it right now. I'd agree um, with that. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, and again, you know, we, we talk a lot about what a score for Parks and Rec might mean against a different type of sitcom that's not as good on its own baseline. Um, so your 7.5, you know, it might be an 8 or an 8.5 on a different show, right? Um, but for Parks and Rec, I think we have very high standards. Um, I, I certainly feel like I do. And use the word disjointed. That's literally here in my notes. I, I said this was a disjointed episode with too many storylines and, and not fun slash knee. In other words, it wasn't fun nor funny. To mm. me, like in general, there were some moments and, and they were I was welcoming them. I like I just felt like they were um, they were like a well, life preserver in the a little in the bit. Sea. I was actually going to say a bit of a mirage in the desert. I mm. thought I was going to get a sip of water. And then next thing I know, I'm thirsty again. Like, that's the way I felt about them. Um, thank God they were there, though. At least I, you know, got it. At least I thought I got a drink of water. See, I like the life preserver yeah. anecdote better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, I'm just not going to give it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said Leslie and Ron were both just hard to root for in this episode. Like, I just had trouble. Like, I didn't, like, I, I, I was mad at both of them. Like, I didn't want them, either of them to win. And then they take one of my favorite characters, Ben, and they made me hate him, too. Like, I just was Why? so I, that the storyline. What what's this document? Come on, it's a really important. Uh, Mark, I don't care. It, you can say MacGuffin. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It was like I get it that they tried to like. I think they're just searching to give a way for Ben to be in the story and. By virtue of that, they were able to give Jerry the notary line, which I do appreciate and think Jim O'Hare did a great a great job with. But I don't know, like. I let, could. Let me ask you this. Okay, so let, let's let's. There's no such document exists. Let, let's separate mechanical from from like the otherwise the writing. Yeah. If you could if you could substitute point of sale with document X and yeah. document X was like actually a legitimate document that was needed, and then you saw Ben going, "You guys are driving me crazy. I've got to sign this. You're you're making me nuts." Maybe. Like, then like it, so your problem is mechanical. Like point of sale, you call BS on that. 
Yeah, because it like again, there's no document in this scenario where this land's being battled for that Ron and Leslie have this to This is sign. the future, Alan. You don't know how how you know commerce has changed. Yeah, fair enough. You know what? In in future commerce world, I, I you're right. I, it doesn't make sense to it's me. It's space commerce. Space commerce, maybe it does make sense. Yeah. I, I think you're right though. I think that because I was annoyed with the premise. I probably am coming down harder on on Ben slash Adam Scott than they deserve because Ben did a, Adam Scott did a fine job. But you right? know what? I I, I want to give credit to what you're saying too because I know I've I've done that before too. It's like th- this. I, I'm given a storyline that I'm like I well like the Ann yeah. Chris stuff. Like yes. some of that came up yes. way too early soon, on. Yeah, and I'm like you know what? Yeah, Rashida Jones and Rob Lowe are Amazing very, very talented, yeah. but I call BS on this because yeah. And I think what's stuck in my crawl, like I just can't get past it, and and. I, you know, I rewatched this episode probably four different times, hoping I'd have that moment where I got the enjoyment version of the episode. Never had it. Can I, I want to say one yeah, thing yeah. just as a, and I don't want to interrupt your no, flow, but just all good. A, as a counterpoint to um, Leslie and Ron. Yeah. I, I know that you and I have both said that there have been times in the past where we've been annoyed with uh, Tom. You know, because like, geez, dude, you you you're just you're you not acting nice. Or and Leslie, nice. and yeah, and Leslie is, sure. and 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 occasionally Ron, I you know, so I much I, less often. Yeah, I agree. I was tempted to be annoyed at them, but for for some reason I wasn't, and I thought about why is it that I'm not annoyed with them for that reason. And the reason I came up with is they have gone a long, 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 long way to establish. I know regarding both of them and how both of them feel about each other. They are not rational, but like they're highlighting that with a, with a huge yellow marker. So while I, I concede that I can't really exactly blame them for that. Now, what I can do is I can say that didn't make for great TV maybe that's it you know like it's not even that unrealistic and probably somebody you do care about so much when you're mad at them you're even more mad at them right and if that's what they're doing unfairly mad at them yeah Yeah, and if that's what they're doing here i get it and and you have to have this episode to have the next episode like i understand all of that doesn't mean i like the episode anymore though that's just the bottom line you know, I, I said, you know, Ben's on this pointless mad quest and gets just as bad as Ron and Leslie at one point. In fact, it's like a three-party yelling match. It just made me weirdly uncomfortable. Like, I just didn't like it. And I said, April's whining is starting to get in, get to me. And like, where did it even come from? And then, of course, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's like it's the Order of the Phoenix. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, in a way, it's like, so she's having like a quarter life crisis, right? I get it. In fact, you remember that web show? It was actually called Quarter Life. It was actually about like 20 year olds having like their own crisis because no. you know, they're halfway there. That's or dumb. Halfway to halfway, whatever. It is kind of dumb. Because um, shut up, you're young and enjoy it. Um, yeah. And, and whatever else you may say, what I just said trumps whatever you're going to say. I know. And, and, and I said, I got, I got shifted from being bored with that storyline to lost in it. And, and I think, in fairness, like it's the premise again. The premise is that April, this person who doesn't really care about anything, all of a sudden cares so much about this, like this moment that Joan Calamezzo had where she was, since she was 10, she knows what she wants. How many people can say that? Like seven in the world? So why is April going to latch on to that? Like, I just have a problem with the premise. You know, I, 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 so here I'll support something you're saying, but for a different reason. Okay. April's been... I believe in this situation before. And what I mean by this is 
when when Leslie hired her as an intern. Yeah. I can actually understand that April back then saying, yes. ah, you know, eh, yeah. it's, is my heart really in Parks and Rec? Not really. But then here's what she did. She right. says to herself, she says to herself, she says, what do I like? Yeah. I love dogs. Yeah. I love animals. Yeah. That's brilliant. Right. So now she has a job. Director of Animal Control, yeah. which is involved with something that she loves. And she so, created the job. So, so making the leap from that to, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't know what to do with my life. That's the part that it I have. It feels out of with. order, doesn't it? Like, if this had happened before Animal Control, then I'd get it. Like, now yes. she's created this thing. She established yes. it. She made it part of the Parks Department. Like, she's done some really cool things for somebody who doesn't really have a background in that, that, that would even support that. Like, why she's just is, that clever and smart. Why is dealing with animals now not something that you love? Because yeah. Andy even lists that. He said, babe, let's 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 take a look yes. at the things that you like. Dogs. Yeah. Well, yeah. hello, Director of Animal Control. And I did really like, and I've got a note here. I said, you know, it's nice that Andy is sweet here, but not necessarily as stupid. Like, I like that. And I thought it's always nice when when Pratt, who doesn't get a chance very often to say intelligent things, has like some intelligent, nice dialogue that is helpful to April. Like, I like right. that. I did like that. So there were some small things in the episode that I did really appreciate. I mean, I don't want to say it was 100% bad. I did like the game they played, and he kept saying trampoline. Oh, trampoline. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Pass. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and from a comedic timing perspective, I mean, the jokes the jokes that are here are well-written, I think, and, they, and then they're even well-executed. I think it's just such a mishmash of an episode with too much going on and yet not enough going on in the same sense that they couldn't, like, like fulfill a storyline. Yeah, it's just it's too much. It's all over the place. I gave it seven little Sebastians. I did. Oh, go I thought you were gonna go way lower. No, no, because again, like and like I've said this to you offline. I think if we went back and did a re-review of season one, I don't even think I'd be that harsh on it now. Like you know, what I mean, like the show's just good. It's a good show. We, we we're doing this for a reason. We love the show. Um, this is just not a good episode. Like it's it's a necessary episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on that. But it's, it's not it's a not, great it's episode. It's not something that I think you or I would recommend to someone who wants to get to know the show as a good indication yeah. of what the show can do. That's right. Imagine okay, so let's do it this way. Imagine there's one less episode in this season mm -hmm. and they take this episode and the next episode and they make that a double episode. And they rework some stuff to get us from point A to ultimately what's the end of that episode, point B. And we'll review that right. one next week, of course. Um, then I think you've got a show, right? You've, you, you almost like have, like you've taken them ac us across the whole emotional arc. Here, until the very last scene, we're really left with not much of anything. Right. And I almost said I was going to give co-MVPs to Amy and Nick, but only for the last scene. <laughs> and then I said, well, that's not fair. There's other good stuff here. And Jim O'Hara was one of them. So I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to stick with Jim on this. But Seven Little Sebastians, year seven and a half. We're never much more than, you know, a half a point apart. And here we are again. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. I, I definitely feel like this is for whatever it's worth. It's definitely so far the weak point of season yeah. seven. And again, we've talked about those structures where you have to take a dip in order to like, you know, this is like the, the cars going up the roller coaster, right? Right. We're climbing here. Yeah, we, we better be. We just came out of a dip. Yeah. And we're starting to climb again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out next episode for sure. But I, I you know, spoiler alert, I think that's where we're at. Yep. I yeah. think you're right. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Good job on your breakdown. Um, and uh, 
I think, you know, I'm looking forward to next week mostly to put this week behind us. Me too. But I also know we're looking at a really good episode, and I hope everybody tunes in next week, and we thank you for listening when you do. And uh, I'd like you to go out on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. We'd love that. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.